You are now in tune to a 726 Studio production. Yo, what's up? And welcome back to another episode of Planet Josh. Thanks for always tuning in. And if you're new, welcome aboard. So before I get into today's episode, I have someone beside me here and that is my roommate slash the guy that makes the beat for my intro slash the guy that should have been on the episode last week but was MIA Henry I mean he doesn't plan to be here for this entire episode either but while you're here say something to the people hello guys yeah it's your boy Henry and I was actually just talking to Joshua and yeah for sure we're gonna have a call up coming up soon so keep posted And that was Henry. He'll probably disappear because he's quote-unquote sleepy, he says. I hope he goes to sleep right away because he could have just been here and maybe we could have worked out something right now. But anyways, on to today's episode. Today is just going to be a little bit of storytelling on my part. And it takes me back to my very first trip back home, which was in summer of 2019. Now I feel like Through various parts of this podcast in different episodes, I've talked about going back home in 2019 so many times, but I've never really talked about what it was like being back home for the very first time. And you'll find out why it was a very, quote unquote, very welcoming way to get back to Belize. What's crazy is that today is now June 22nd because it's 1.53 a.m. while I'm recording and I was looking at Snapchat and my memories showed me that on June 22nd, 2019 was the day I left Taiwan en route to the States, which I would, you know, I wasn't going to go directly home. But yeah, it's been three years since I left Taiwan for the very first time. So I leave Taiwan Then I go to Hong Kong, and that in itself is a whole other story, but let's just run through it really quickly. So I get to Hong Kong at maybe like 8, 9 p.m., and crazy thing is my next flight isn't until like maybe, I think, what, like 1 p.m. the following day? I'm not too sure what time I got there, but anyways, the matter of the situation is that I had to be in a Hong Kong airport for about 14 hours. So now, like, you know, if it was possible, I would want to venture outside. But one, I don't know Hong Kong. Two, it's through the middle of the night. And that's pretty much it. So my plan was initially to stay awake the entire time while I'm in the airport. Because, you know, there's another long ass flight from Hong Kong to San Francisco that awaits me. So now I'm like, yeah, okay, bet. I'll stay awake the entire time. I don't know how, right? But... I'll stay awake the entire time, maybe watch shows. I think there were different international football competitions happening at the time. So I was like, okay, I'll watch those games. I'll talk to people. And then, well, you know, it'll make me so much, you know, I'll be so tired that I will just sleep pretty good on the plane. Now, I'd say a couple hours into that initial plan, I was starting to fail because about 3.30, 3.30, 4 a.m., I started to get really sleepy, and it was like, damn, okay, maybe I can't do this anymore. So all I had with me at that time was my backpack that I had my laptop and my Xbox in. And I'm like, I know the airport is fairly empty, but it's also like, you know, 
when you come from a place like police where you come from a place where you're basically uneasy wherever you go you feel like you have to you know look around every now and again and what's not so it's like how do i fall asleep in this airport with all these valuable stuff in my backpack anyways so around 4 p 4 a.m sorry not 4 p.m um i fell asleep i fell asleep hugging my backpack but unfortunately you know airports start to get a little bit crowded around maybe 6 a.m because People are starting to come in because they might have early flights and all of that. So it starts to get a little bit noisy. And on top of that, the sun comes out. So the airport is bright. And I'm like, damn, two hours of sleep. But it is what it is at that point. I mean, hell, why should I be complaining when my initial plan was to stay up all along? So I guess you could consider that as a nap. So I'm like, okay, but let's just keep this moving. So then I head to, you know, try and find something to eat in the airport. And I ended up eating, I think, Burger King for breakfast, a burger for breakfast. Like the other options were like, you know, restaurants that I had no idea what they were. And so I had to go with Burger King because I knew about Burger King. So I get that. I eat it. I'm just chilling in the airport at this point. Nothing to do. Still have a bunch of hours to go into my flight. And so... I start feeling like, you know, it's starting to hit me that, wow, you didn't really sleep last night and you're kind of dying right now, but I got to tug it out. I got to, I got to survive this. I got to stay awake. So eventually I get to the point where it's like, I see a coffee shop. I buy some coffee, but that doesn't help. I eventually go to a chair like like a reclining chair that I found and I fell asleep there for maybe an hour. So I woke up again. And the crazy thing is that, so I left Taiwan the previous day and my flight is until 2 PM. And then one of my friends left Taiwan early in the morning, the morning that was already sleeping in a Hong Kong airport. And so she got to the airport and I texted my other friend like, Hey, can you ask her where's her gate? Blah, blah, blah. Because I'm like, okay, bet. I'll pull up and I'll try to scare her. So I do that. And she's like, her reaction is just very funny. Like, it wasn't no loud ass scream. It was just like, huh? But she was like, I was so scared. But if you watch the video I took, it's like, were you really scared? And so I see her. She gets to Hong Kong after me, leaves before me. Now I get on my flight. And I was like, okay, bet. Time to sleep. Or so I thought. So I get on the flight and at one point when I reclined my chair, the little button that you press to recline got jammed. So now every time I move just a little bit, if I move forward a little bit, the chair moves with me. If I move backwards, you know, when I actually lay back on it, it moves with me again. So I'm like, damn, this reclined chair is starting to turn into more of like a rocking chair rather than a seat that I can actually fall asleep in. So I don't know what the hell to do. I called the flight attendant and she's like, oh, like she's unaware of how to unjam it. And she's like, there is a free seat over there, but it was kind of far away. And it's like, eh, do I really want to move there? And then my stuff is back here. What if I forget all of them? And You know, I was like, ah, to hell with it. Eventually, I just hit the button and it released. 
So I guess for the last few hours of the flight, I was good. But after all that rocking back and forth, I'm already nauseous, you know, because you're in this airplane locked up, no fresh air, and you're moving there. Your your body isn't stable. And it's like, oh, this is a dreadful flight. And all of this is coming off of a night where I didn't sleep at all. So, yeah, lucky me. What a good life. So I land in San Francisco about maybe midday there about. I mean, I'm not too sure of the time. It's kind of irrelevant to the entire story. But anyway, so I land in San Francisco. My dad was already in the States. He was already at my aunt, his sister. And so now they come and pick me up, my aunt, my dad, and my aunt's husband. So they pick me up. We're just talking. You know, I haven't seen my aunt since like, I'm not 100% sure since when, but I haven't been to their house since like 2015. I haven't seen my dad in a year. So it's like, you know, just a little bit of recapping of what the year was like in Taiwan. My uncle was asking me questions and, you know, all of that just on the ride back to their house. So now the thing is, they pick me up and we're going back to the house. However, the house is only a pit stop because I remember telling my dad like, yo, I've never really been to a baseball game. I want to experience a baseball game. I've always just wanted to experience any kind of sporting event in the States, you know, because, well, sports are pretty big there in terms of the MLB, the NBA, NFL, etc. So now we go to the house. It's just for me to take a quick shower, get ready. Then now we're going to head out to watch uh, A's Oakland Athletics game versus the Rays from Tampa Bay. So we go home. Like I said, I get dressed. We head out. We go to BART, which is a train. We hop on that. We go to the game. And that's when you're starting to realize that, oh, wow, things in the States are way different than what they are here in Taiwan. Because BART, which is like a public transportation, you look at BART, it looks so, I don't want to slander it, but it looks so rough. It looks so dirty. There's graffiti all over the place. Whereas if you're here in Taipei and you're on the metro system, you're on the MRT, it's like, it's so clean. It's it, it's so nice. It's a it's a good sight. However, there in the Bay Area, it was like, eh, not so much. So anyways, we go to the game. We get there. We maybe miss like the first two or three innings. But for me, it's all good because, hey, this is my first sporting event in the States that I've attended. The only thing closest to a sporting event that I've attended in the States was that of the 2010 Lakers championship parade, which in itself was pretty good for me being a Lakers fan, but it wasn't an actual game. So yeah, I get to the game. We're there. We're taking it all in. It's pretty, they're pretty good seats. They're not in the sun, a solid enough view, like kind of up, but the angle is like almost behind home plate. So it was good. Unfortunately, all the runs that were scored in that game happened before we got there. So we didn't really see much, but for me, it was more about the experience rather than the game itself. So anyways, that wasn't necessary to say because that was my first day after all that long ass travel. So we fast forward through spending two weeks in the States. That's where I got to experience the floating therapy thing I told you guys about here on the podcast. Um, I spent 4th of July there. And then we went back to Belize. And this is where the story gets interesting. This is where I got my best welcome home. So we get to Belize and my brother comes to pick us up at the airport. My mom was supposed to come with him, but 
she went across to Guatemala to visit one of my aunts, her sister, because I think at that point in time, she was a little bit sick. So, you know, okay, I'll see you guys in Belmapan the next day, blah, blah, blah. That's what she was saying. I was like, all right, but no problem, no problem at all. So we get to Belize. We spend the night in Belize City. We drive around. Um, We go to get something to eat. I get some fried chicken because, you know, got to get some fried chicken as you touch down back home. And so the vibes are good. The vibes are good. So the next day we were going to go to Belmapan. And, well, because my brother, my other brother lives there now, the plan was for me to spend maybe a day or two there because, well, you know, I've lived there through... My final years of primary school, high school, did UB at Belmapan campus. So it was only fitting that I spent some time in Belmapan, see my friends there, see the people I know, like my second family there. And then I head back home down to PG because, you know, it's along the way. Why go back down home and then have to come back up to Belmapan later on? It's like, nah, I'm already here. Let's do that. So the good thing about that day the following day, you know, the second day of being in Belize was that I get to drive. You know, I miss driving a lot. I mean, hell, I'm at this point right now where I still miss it. I went for a drive maybe about two or closer to three months ago with my girlfriend. And it's not the same because, of course, one, it's a rental. Two, it's a way different vibe here. It's crazy. It's hectic. It's busy. But at the end of the day, driving is driving. So it was still good. But yeah, so I'm there. I drive from Belize City to Belmapan. You know, I know the road. I've been on it a lot of times. It just felt weird driving in a sense because it's been so long without driving. And so we get to Belmapan and my brother's like, before we go to my other brother's house, let's go fill up the gas because later on when they leave from the house, they're going to head straight back home to PG. So I'm like, okay, sure. No problem. We pull up to Buka gas station. And so we get there and we're just filling up. And in Belize, if I'm not mistaken, this is for like almost every gas station. Most people, you either pay cash to the gas pump attendant. Or if you want to pay with card, you got to pay inside into the little shop that they have at the gas station. So my brother was going to do that, pay with a card in the little store. And so my dad went with him for some unknown reason. All of us were standing outside while the vehicle was being filled up, you know, just chilling, waiting for it to be done and to go along our way. And so I just stood outside, just standing there waiting because I didn't want to go into the store. So I was standing at the back of the vehicle. And so the gas attendant was filling up another vehicle behind us. And then I slowly noticed like this guy walked up to him and... Like he was waving something at him like around his hip. The guy was holding something at his hip. I was like, huh? And then I looked closely and I saw it was like a gun. I'm like, oh, shit. So now while he was doing that, like the, the gas pump attendant got scared and he dropped the money that he had in his hand. And I slowly creeped towards the door to get inside because I'm like, OK, I got to get out of this. And so he grabs the little gas attendant, takes him across to the other attendant because it's like, you know, he's trying to get the money from the two of them. So while he walks over to the other gas attendant, that's when I hop in and I start up because I was already in the car, but not the car because it's a vehicle. It's not a car. Let's be specific. 
So yeah, I hop in and I didn't want to start up right away because you know, the sound of the engine is going to grab his attention because it's like, okay, I hear something. What are you trying to do? So I waited until he pulled up to the other guy, which was a far away, not too far, but you know, good enough distance. I started it up and I drove into the other side of Buka, the empty space that was there. I was like, okay, cool. I'll chill here because a part of me is like, I could easily drive off right now. But at the same time, my brother and my dad, they're both still there. And I'm like, what the hell do I do about this? Like, it's tough because I don't want to leave them. And then I later on hear something happens to them. And then it's going to kill me inside because I'm like, shit, why did I leave them behind? So now while I'm in this other corner of the compound, I'm like, okay, bet everything is good now. I'm just there chilling, waiting because like, I'm just trying to wait to see the guy leave the compound from the exit that's closer to Builder's Hardware for the people that know Buka Gas Station. So, yeah, I'm there. And, you know, I have my phone, like, between my legs on the seat. And I'm, I'm, I just glance at it. And next thing I know, like, in, like, my peripheral view, I can feel like someone is coming towards me. I can see a little something. And when I lift up my head a bit and I turn to the left, I see the guy walking towards me, waving his hand, like pointing the gun and waving it like, yo, I'm like, fuck. So I grab my phone. I throw it under the seat because I'm like, okay, I don't want him to see my phone and be like, yo, give me this shit now or or some, some, something, you know? So I was just there. And unfortunately, at that point in time, our vehicle had a little electrical problem where it was unable to press the lock button for every single door and they would be locked. Like you would have to lock each door individually. In a sense, that was bad. But now in retrospect, it's kind of good that it wasn't locked. So because these doors were unable to be locked, the guy walked in, he opened the back door and he hopped in in the seat behind me. And the crazy thing is he hopped in next to my backpack And as you guys know, that's where I keep my laptop and my Xbox in. So he hops in, sits next to that. But while he hops in, he puts down the gun. He's no longer holding it up like it's in his lap in a sense. And he's like, drive, drive. And this is where the story gets crazy. I shout, no, no. Like, somebody please tell me why did I get brave to say no to a motherfucker that has a gun in his hand? Sure, it's not pointed at me, but he had a gun. And like when I look back at it, it's like a part of me is thinking about the fact that, you know, like I said, my dad and my brother were both still in the store at the gas station. I'm like, what the hell? Like, that's the reason I was there. And another reason why I was like, no, no, was because I was thinking like, yo, I literally just got back home less than 24 hours ago. Like this, this. This makes no sense. Like, I guess you could say that shit like that caught me off guard because here in Taiwan, shit is pretty safe. Like, it's rare that I ever see anything going off except on, like, when you go to the courts and there are these little motherfuckers that are probably in gangs or are, like, the little little shits that are, like, maybe the little run men in the gang or, you know, they have the connection so they feel some type of way and they always want to start some bullshit at the court. Besides that, I've never really come across anything. So, like, you know, I come back a little bit 
how to say, naive. I kind of come back forgetting what it's like at home, even though I've never really been in that situation at home before either. But like, I don't know how to react to that kind of stuff. But when I told him no, the crazy thing is, after like saying no twice, he decided, I bet, and hopped out. And then he tries to exit the compound. He heads out to the street. He's trying to wave down a car to pick him up. Well, he's waving them down with a gun now. Who the hell would pick you up with a gun? And so then he proceeds to go towards the little Bemopan clinic that's not too far away. And then while he's going there, the other gas attendant, the one that wasn't near me, he hops in his car and he drives to chase this guy down. Now, while he's chasing this guy down, bear in mind, he has no weapon. All he has is a baton and the thief has a gun. So to me, it's not adding up. The, the mat is not matting at that point in time. Like, you're not properly armed for this battle. There's no way I'm about to risk my life for that money, to be quite honest with you. But anyway, so he goes there. He The story is kind of blurry because I heard it on the news and I don't know 100% what it was. So he gets there. All I know is that they get into some sort of struggle. The thief's gun jams while they're struggling with this gun. Eventually, it goes off. The thief gets shot in his own arm. So at the end of the day, one, he asked me for a ride. I said, no, he just hopped out like I'd bet. Two, he tries to make the most boring escape of all time. Three, his gun fails him. Four, the gun fails him once again by him getting shot. And five, he gets arrested. And to be honest, I think the money that they said he had stolen was like between a thousand to two thousand bullies. I'm not 100% sure of the exact amount. So that's ranging from like maybe what? 15,000 NT to 30,000. I know that's a big range I'm giving you guys, but it was no more than two thousand bullies, which would be like 30,000 NT. Now, would you risk your life for all of that? Maybe not. Sure, for some people, that's some money, but I'm like, damn, bro. At least try to go out big, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, I don't get little petty thefts. Like, it's not worth it. Not saying not, like, I condone stealing, but, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Now, anyways, like I was saying, when I look back at things, I would have done, like, I could have handled the situation way better. But like me not being used to crime or being in hostile environment, it's like, how do I react to this? Um, Just returning back home and like, you know, this is not how I'm supposed to return home. This is not the way it's supposed to be. That's what's going through my mind. Um, My dad and my brother still being there. And at the end of the day, they were like, you should have just, you should have drove off and you know, just go, don't worry about us. But it's easy to say that after the fact. But when you're in that situation, it's like, like you lo- you don't necessarily freeze all the time. Like, I don't think I froze. But it's just like, you know, you don't know what exactly to do. I mean, the whole situation is new to you. Like someone was telling me in the future, what you do is you drive and you intentionally crash into like a pole or something. Now, 
it's risky, but it might could work because you just got to make it look like an accident. And then they will probably try to just go along their way. You'll be safe. I know a lot of people tell me like, yo, I would have just driven the car. I would be like, where do you want to go? How far? Blah, blah, blah. Act like a real chauffeur for the guy. But at the end of the day, you can do all of that for him. And he still might not care and will still shoot your ass at the end. So, you know, it makes no sense. Now, one thing I have to say was like, when my mom saw me later in the day, she was like, man. It's making her almost regret not going to meet us at the airport because she's like, I almost didn't get to see my son again, which is true. But hey, I'm still here. I'm still kicking. I'm still alive. I'm still I'm still here, you know, or else there wouldn't be any planet, Josh. But yeah, so through all of that, the crazy things just kept on getting crazier and crazier because like I stayed in Memopan for a day or two. So when I headed over to my friend's grandma's house because it wasn't too far away. And that's where we usually meet up from time to time. So I get there. And I think at one point they were talking about the robbery. And they're like, Josh, did you hear that there was a robbery at Buka today at this time? And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I was there. And then I explained it to them. And my friend's dad, he's like, he works at the prison and what's not. He's like, Josh, you had nothing to worry about. The guy doesn't have the killer instinct. And. I'm like, uh, that's one way to look at it. But for me, it's like, point is he had a gun. But still, it's like, what the hell? And then later on, when I watched the news, the owners of the gas station, I know them. So the girl that works there is someone that I know. I don't really want to release her identity. People that know her will know who I'm talking about. So when I interviewed her and they were showing um, like security camera footage of the whole situation, she was like, and then he, he being the thief, ran towards a customer parked in the lot and he was firing shots at them. And I'm like, hold up, that story don't make no sense. He was just waving a gun at me. It's either that or the vehicle I was in is bulletproof and it didn't get any scratches because he for sure was not shooting anything at me. But I'm like, damn. Look at how that story just got even crazier. But anyways, like the whole experience didn't really hit me until like maybe two weeks or so being back home when I was just walking in my good old PG that's usually peaceful and I feel uneasy walking at night or seeing people that look at you some type of way. It's like, oof, what's gonna happen here? You know, but you get over it eventually. I'm good. Like it was just a little, little trauma that I had to deal with for that point in time. But yeah, I have to say that's pretty much it for my best welcome home. Of course, the best is being sarcastic if you didn't get that already. But shout out to Henry. You know, the guy stayed here the entire episode, the entire time while I was recording. I mean, he just got up to probably go get water and I might be done with the episode before he comes back so he doesn't get the chance to do a little outro. I don't know. We'll see. But just keep on telling others to check out the podcast. If there's anyone that you think I should have on the podcast, give me a solid recommendation. Let's see what can happen. Let's see how we can make that work. 
you know, I'm all for having people on the podcast as long as they fit what's going on here, as long as they can bring something to the pod that, you know, is worthwhile. Sometimes I don't even know if I'm worthwhile. I'm just kidding. I know I am because y'all are here. You're listening right now. And now that I think about it, I hope my recording doesn't sound like shit because I've been sitting outside of my room based on the time and recording in the hall for the first time in for so long. But there are little bugs just flying around. I hear them making noise here. I'm not sure if it can be picked up by the mic. And also maybe the way I have the mic set up, the angle I'm talking into it from isn't my normal angle. So I hope I didn't ruin this episode. But anyways... Thanks for taking the time out to listen. I'm going to catch you guys on next episode. Y'all stay safe. Y'all stay blessed. And, you know, peace. Peace.